Today, we begin lesson number 11 in our study of Mishnayos Maseches Nedorim. The two Mishnayos which we will study today are the last Mishnah in Perek Gimel, that is the third Perek, 11th Mishnah, and the first Mishnah of the fourth Perek. We have been studying how sometimes a person expresses himself in words and makes a vow, makes a neder in words, where if you understand his words literally, they mean one thing, but the normal understanding of his expression is not literal. For example, we learned in the Mishnah yesterday that if a person says that he wants to be osur and not to have hanoah from ole Yerushalayim, from those who go up to Yerushalayim. And there is a sect called the Kusim who uh, do not go to Yerushalayim because they hate Yerushalayim. And they didn't go to Ali Olaregel. They've chosen another mountain rather than the Harabayas as their holy mountain. So even though if those kusim are to be considered gereyemes, true converts, so they are obligated as much as any Jew is obligated to go to Yerushalayim, but in practice they do not go. So when a person makes a neder not to have hanor from Ola Yerushalayim, even though literally anyone who goes up to Yerushalayim can be considered in that category and therefore prohibited to him. But since, generally speaking, Ole Yerushalayim refers to Yisroel, refers to Jews who keep the mitzvah of going up to Yerushalayim for the, the Shalosh Regolim, if a person makes a neder, he's not going to have Hanoah from Ole Yerushalayim. We learned yesterday that also be Yisroel umutur bakusim, that he's permitted to have Hanoah from the kusim, even though some particular kusim may go up to Yerushalayim, but that's not what he meant when he said Ole Yerushalayim. Now in Mishnah Yura Aleph, we learn a similar type of thing. A person says, Konam, I'm making a neder, She'eni nehene l'vnei Noach. I'm not going to get any benefit from the sons of Noach. No. The Jewish people are also sons of Noach. We're all descendants of Noach. So literally, he shouldn't be able to get Hanoah to derive benefit from anyone, Jew or non-Jew. But since normally the term l'vnei Noach does not mean literally all the sons of Noah, but it means the non-Jewish descendants of Noah. So therefore we understand his meaning to be non-literal, and he is mutor be Yisroel. He's permitted to have benefit from Jews because they are not considered b'nei Noah. The osur b'umosa olam. But he's prohibited to derive benefit from the other nations of the world. Similarly, if a person makes a neder, I'm not going to derive benefit from the seed of Avraham, from the descendants of Avraham. So one might think, after all, descendants of Avraham means the Jewish people, but it also means the descendants of Yishmoel, of who was also a son of Avraham. However, we don't understand this literally to mean all the descendants of Avraham. But if a person says, he means 
that he's only not going to derive benefit from the Jewish descendants of Avraham, and therefore also be Yisrael. He's permitted to derive benefit from all the other nations of the world, including the descendants of Avraham and the descendants of Esau, who are also literally descendants of Avraham. However, as the Gemara explains, with reference to Yishmoel, that the Rebbeinu Shlolem told Avraham Avinu ki so that Yishmoel is not considered zera. Avraham, only Yitzchak is. And when it comes to Bnei Esav, ki v'yitzchak, the drosha is v'yitzchak, v'lo kol yitzchak. Some of Yitzchak's descendants, namely Yaakov, is considered Zerah Avraham, but not the Bnei Esav. If a person says, different halacha now. Not a halacha so much as the language what does it mean not to be able to derive benefit from another person? How can one keep that and how can one circumvent that halachically? So the Mishnah says, If a person says, I'm not going to derive benefit from a Yisrael. And he goes to the grocery store one day with a Jewish grocer and he wants to purchase from that grocer. So he can't buy at the regular price. But rather, he has to pay extra. If eggs are a dollar a dozen, and he pays two dollars a dozen, so he's not getting hano from the mocher, from the seller. However, I'm sorry, if suppose the grocer says, I'm not going to get hano from that fellow, and that fellow comes in and wants to buy a dozen eggs, which are selling for a dollar, the mocher cannot sell it to him for the dollar, but rather he has to sell it to him for 90 cents. So the mocher is not getting benefit thereby. Actually, he's losing thereby. Suppose the opposite. A person says, I'm making a nether that no Jewish person can derive benefit from me. So then, if that person is going to be a customer and buy something, he has to pay less than the price. Because if he pays the price or more than the price, he's giving Hanoi, he's giving benefit to the seller. Now what seller is going to listen to him? The Mishnah will deal with that. If a person is selling, so if he gets a customer who's buying it at the regular price, so the mocher is getting, sorry, the lokeach, the customer is getting benefit. And this fellow made a net there that no Jew is going to get benefit from me. So therefore, he's got to sell at a higher price. So that the customer is overpaying and not getting any benefit from the seller. Of course, this depends in Shomilo. The only way he could be lokeach bepochos, buy for a lesser price, is if the seller agrees to lose. The only way he can be mocher beyoser is if the buyer agrees to overpay. So in Shomilo, fine. Not he's got to just buy from Goyim. He can't buy or sell to Jews depending upon the nature of his nether. Suppose a person says, I don't want to get Hanor from them, and I don't want them to get Hanor from me, and he's referring to Yisroel. I don't want to give pleasure or benefit to any Jew, and I don't want to get benefit or pleasure from any Jew. So then these 
various possibilities of buying for less, selling for more, etc., don't apply to him because whatever he does, either he's benefiting or the other fellow, the buyer or seller, is benefiting. In such a case, all he can do is deal with Goyim because he made a nether, never to get benefit and never to give benefit from any Jew. If a person says, I'm not going to get any benefit from uncircumcised people. And what does he mean by uncircumcised people? He means Goyim. There may be certain Goyim who are circumcised. The B'nai Yishmoel. To this day, there are all sorts of other nations, Goyim, who for various reasons, religious or medical reasons, have circumcision. But when a person says Arelim, he means Goyim. And therefore, Muto Ba'ala Yisrael, if there's a Jewish person who happens to be uncircumcised, for various reasons why a person is exempt from circumcision, if he's a hemophiliac, his blood diseases, etc., so he's a uncircumcised Yisrael, but he's not included as an Orel. An Orel means a non-Jew. He's prohibited to derive benefit from those circumcised non-Jews because he didn't, uh, he, he meant by Arelim all Goyim, even those who happen to be circumcised. If a person says, I'm not going to get benefit from those circumcised people. Again, what he means is Jews. And therefore also be Israel. He's prohibited to derive benefit from a Jew. Even be Arle Yisrael. Even if the Jew happens to be uncircumcised. And he's permitted to derive benefit from those Goyim, those non-Jews who are happen to be circumcised. Because when he said Mulim, he means Jews, not non-Jews. And as the Mishnah continues, When you refer to the word Orla, which literally means uncircumcised, that's a phrase which applies to all Goyim, circumcised or not, and not to the Jewish people, circumcised or not. Shenema. As Novi Yirmiyot says, Ki kol ha-goyim arelim, v'chol beis Yisroel arleleif. The goyim are called arelim, uncircumcised ones, whether or not they are physically circumcised. And the Jewish people are called arleleif, their hearts are uncircumcised, meaning our hearts are stubborn, rigid, and uh, not properly directed. The criticism of Yirmiyot. The Pasuk also says in Shmuel Aleph, uncircumcised is referring to a plishti, a non-Jew. Just a way of saying non-Jew. As the Pasuk says in Shmuel Beis, lest the daughters of the Philistines become happy, lest the daughters of the Arelim, which obviously here is a synonym for a non-Jew, for the Polishtim, lest they be happy. So we see the word Orel is not to be taken literally, but rather it's a way of referring to a non-Jew. Now, since we have begun here to speak about the mitzvah of Mila, the Mishnah continues with many general statements about the importance and significance of the mitzvah of circumcision of Milo. Rabbi Elozer ben Azari Omer, Mu'usa ha'arla, that the uncircumcised state 
is to be considered scorned. It's to be considered in a certain way repulsive. Because it's a phrase that's used to refer to the wicked. When the Novi, Yirmiyo, wishes to refer to the Goyim in a negative, um, derogatory way, he calls them Arelim. So you see that the Orla is Mu'usa. It is something very negative, something unbecoming, something disgusting. Rabbi Yishmoel Gedolo Mila, Rabbi Yishmoel says, that Mila is very great. There are 13 covenants that were established, literally that were cut, with reference to the mitzvah of Mila. If you look in the parsha of Mitzvah Mila, in the end of Parshas Lech Lecho, Yud Zayin, you will see that the word bris appears there 13 times. Covenant, of course, is very significant. The bris mila, the covenant of the mila, is covenanted 13 times. Rabbi Yossi Yomer, Gedola mila, look how great mila is. She docho es hashabos hachamura. Mila overrides Shabbos. The eighth day of a baby's life falls on a Shabbos. You perform the bris mila even on Shabbos. So mila is so great, it pushes away the mitzvah of Shabbos. Rabbi Yeshua ben Korcha Omer, Gedola mila, Shlo nisla Moshe hatzadik oleho malosho. That Moshe, as great a tzadik as he was, when the time came for him to be to circumcise his son. And he didn't do so. He postponed it for a moment. The Pesach says, Literally, God met him, encountered him, confronted him, and wanted to kill him. So even Moshe Rabbeinu can't postpone the mitzvah of Mila. Rabbi Nechemiah Look how great Mila is. Because Mila overrides one of the halachos of Negoim. Negoim are those inflictions or afflictions which occur to a person on his skin. And the halacha is that if a certain type of skin blemish, known as a baheres, a white blemish, is upon one's body, one cannot cut it or excise it or amputate it in any way. The Torah tells us, He shomer but suppose that Baharis appears upon the place where the bris mila is performed and cutting off the orla from the sexual organ would mean removing a Baharis, removing this type of skin blemish. He's allowed to do so because the Pesach says, Yimol besar orloso, that the besar orlo must be cut away during the process of circumcision, even if there is a Baharis a nega upon it. Rabbi Yomer, Rabbi says, Gedola Mila Mila is so great, Shekol ha mitzvos sheoso avroha movinu, lo nikro sholeim ad shemo, that despite the fact that Avroha Ovinu did so many mitzvos, he was never called sholeim, he was never called complete, until he performed the mitzvah of circumcision upon himself. Shenema, his haleich lefonai veheyei somim. It's only after the bris, 
the Posuk says, only then is Avroham called Tomim. Dovarache, Gedolo Milo, Sheel Mole he, Loiboro Hakodesh Boruchu Esolomo. That were it not for the mitzvah of Milo, God would not have created the world. That's how far it goes. Shnema, Komar Hashem, the Posuk in Yirmiya, thus does God say, were it not for the bris that I have day and night, meaning, Chazal interpreted, meaning the bris of Mila, which is a bris that once a person is circumcised, he, in a way, is performing the mitzvah of circumcision the rest of his life, day and night. If not for that mitzvah of the bris, I would not have established the natural order, the laws of heaven and earth. It's a source, this mission is a source for emphasizing the absolutely great significance of the mitzvah of Mila. The Mishnah continues in Perik Dalet, which is the rest of our lesson here, lesson number 11, uh, into some details about the nature of the prohibition that applies to a person if a person makes a nether not to derive benefit from another, if I make a nether that I'm not going to derive benefit from you, exactly what does that mean? What can I do with you? What kinds of interactions can I have? In what ways can I enter or exit your property? So the Mishnah says that Ein bein hamudor There is no major difference between a person who is mudor hanoah Meaning, I say, I'm not going to get any hano, any benefit from you. Or, you say that I can't derive any benefit from you. But either way, it's a nether under which I can't derive benefit, hano. There's no distinction between that type of a nether. Lamudor heimenu ma'acho. From a nether in which I say, I will not derive any food from you, any ma'acho, any any edible food, any sustenance, any nurturance, nutrition from you. Or you say to me that that you're placing upon me a prohibition against any ma'achol, any eating of your property. So what difference is there between whether the neder is applying to hano, to general benefit, or whether the neder is applying to ma'achol, to food? The only difference is Elo Teresa Soregel. If I make a nether, I'm not going to get benefit from you. I can't even walk into your backyard. Because by doing that, I'm getting benefit from you. So Teresa Soregel, thoroughfare, walking through your backyard is prohibited to me. I can't get benefit from you. However, if I made a nether that I can't get ma'achol from you, I can't get fruit from you, and I walk through a shortcut in your backyard, I'm not getting any food from you. Other benefits are permissible to me. Similarly, suppose you have a, uh, a tool, an instrument, which cannot be used in any way to prepare foods. It's not a pot, it's not a pan. It's a chveis, it's a scissor to cut hair. Something like that. So it's a keli, it's used for haircuts. It's not used for food. So if I made a nether that I can't get hanoah benefit from you, I can't use that scissors either. 
But if I made a nether, I'm not going to get machol from you food. A scissor for a haircut is not food. Hamudor machol mechavero. If a person says, I'm not going to get any machol, any food from you. Your food, your machol is also is prohibited to me. That's my nether. So as we'll see now, this doesn't only apply to food, bread, butter, apples, pears, but rather even to those instruments which are directly involved, those utensils which are directly involved in preparing food. So hamudo ma'achol mechavero, if I am prohibited by a vow from deriving ma'achol, food from you, lo yashilenu nofo uchevoro so, I cannot borrow from you. I cannot have you lend to me. I'm the mudor. I cannot get, allow you to lend to me. I cannot borrow from you. A sieve, a strainer, a mill, an oven. Because all these things are used in the preparation of food. And then only am I when I say I can't get a ma'achol from you, I don't only mean the food stuff proper. I mean those things which are involved in preparing food, which lead toward my ability to eat. Avo mashilo choluk vitabas vitalis unizomim v'chol davo she'enosim ba'ochol nefesh. I can allow you to lend me. I can borrow from you a cloak, a ring, a talis. Rings, zomim and tabas. Usually, the distinction is tabas is a ring with a finger ring, which is used for uh, seals as a signet, and zomim are earrings or nose rings or whatever. But these things have nothing to do with food, so I can borrow them from you. And similarly, anything else which is not used for ochel nefesh. However, suppose. We live in a place where if I'm, that you don't usually lend out your jacket. You don't lend out your talis or tabas. But rather, the custom is in this place that if I want your coat, I have to buy, I have to rent it from you to pay you a dollar an hour, to pay you five dollars a day for the use of it. So if we live in a place that this particular utensil or instrument, which is normally not used for food, but the custom in that place is to pay rent, not to just borrow for free that instrument or that utensil. So therefore, if I borrow it from you and don't pay you for it, I'm saving myself a dollar or five dollars or whatever. And with that dollar or five dollars, I can treat myself to a meal. So therefore, if I get this object, even if it's a scissor to cut my hair, or it's to use the Mishnah's example, a cholok or tabas, a talis or a nezim, I'm saving myself money. And if I do that, I can use that money to buy food. So also, it's prohibited for me to borrow for free those objects which are normally rented rather than lent. And so, we have finished Mishnah Aleph of Perek Dalet. And in the process, we've completed lesson number 11.